All right. Welcome to episode 15 of Special Situation Investing. And today we're going to be talking about XPO Logistics. Um, interesting stock, uh, I think, at or below maybe the mid-60s per share price, which we'll get into a little bit more later. Uh, first, we'll talk a little bit about the CEO, Brad Jacobs. Uh, kind of an interesting character. Uh, reminded me a little bit, as I read through, of Henry Singleton, um, from Teledyne, of course, where he used his stock uh, to both uh, sell stock and and furnish that money toward acquisitions, and then also buying back stock when it was undervalued to just keep growth going over the years. You kind of see that same pattern with uh, Brad Jacobs at XPO Logistics and other companies he's managed. Um, and then a little bit in this case, uh, like Bill Anders from General Dynamics, um, where he decided that the company was uh, undervalued uh, due to a conglomerate discount, and he was just going to sell all these non-core assets and raise capital, increase the stock price, um, is a little bit similar to what Brad Jacobs is going to do with XPO Logistics over the next year. So going into the CEO first, um, like I mentioned, his name is Bradley Jacobs, and he's chief executive officer of XPO Logistics and non-executive chairman of GXO Logistics, which is the company that they just spun off uh, not but a few months ago, uh, and the first of a couple of things they're going to either spin off or sell going forward. Uh, Brad is also the managing director of Jacobs Private Equity LLC. All right, so as far as his career goes, Jacobs has built uh, $5 billion or multi-billion dollar corporations from scratch, including three publicly traded corporations. Uh, United Waste Systems was one. United Rentals was another, and then, of course, XPO Logistics is the one we're talking about today. Uh, all of them had share prices that rose uh, more than 1,000% after Jacobs took control, according to the stuff that I read. Uh, over the course of his career, Jacobs has completed approximately 500 acquisitions, 250 greenfield openings, raised more than $25 billion in debt and equity capital financing, including two IPOs. Jacobs ranked 300 on the Forbes 400 list with a net worth of $3.7 billion as of August 2021. For United Way Systems, that was a publicly traded company he ran prior uh, to XPO Logistics, and that stock outperformed the S&P 500 index by 5.6 times during his tenure. And then at United Rentals, another company he ran prior to XPO Logistics, Stock outperformed the S&P 500 index by 2.2 times. So pretty solid track record. XPO Logistics, uh, going into a little bit more detail since that's the company that we're dealing with today. In 2011, Jacobs invested approximately $150 million in Express One Expedited Solutions as third-party logistics and transportation service provider, trading at the time on the American Stock Exchange as XPO. He assumed the role of chairman of the board and chief executive officer, gained ownership of approximately 71% of the company, and renamed it XBO Logistics. Jacobs listed the company on the New York Stock Exchange, retaining the ticker symbol XPO. And in February 2019, Jacobs announced plans to grow XPO's revenue from $175 million to $5 billion within five years through mergers and acquisitions. By the end of 2016, he had turned XPO into a $15 billion global company. XPO reported revenue of $16.3 billion in 2020. 
Jacobs was ranked the best CEO in transportation in Institutional Investors 2022 All-America Executive Team Awards. And in 2018, he was ranked 10th on the Barron's list of world's best CEOs, among some other awards. In December 2020, Jacobs announced plans to spin off XPO Logistics segment as GXO Logistics, creating two independent companies. XPO as a provider of freight transportation services and GXO as the world's largest pure play provider of contract logistics services. The spinoff was completed in August of 2021. Jacobs became a non-executive chairman of GXO's board of directors and remained chairman and CEO of XPO. So that's a little bit about the CEO um, and the background of uh, XPO specifically. Uh, a couple of interesting things about uh, his insider ownership. So Jacobs Private Equity Management, again, the company that he himself manages, um, owns about 11,915,000 shares, which equated to 16% of the stock uh, at the last annual report. Um, some of that has been sold off since. So uh, the equity fund has sold some of the stock. Uh, Brad Jacobs himself, the CEO, um, owns 18.9 million shares um, or 16.9% uh, of the company as of the 2021 10K. All right. Uh, XPO stock significantly outperformed the market over five and 10 year periods. Kind of talked about that previously. And then if you look at the buyback history um, for XPO stock, that's kind of interesting as well because you don't see one a solid pattern of buybacks, you know, picking away at the company stock over a 10 year period. Uh, but you'll see it going from like in the year 2012, 15 million shares outstanding, uh, going all the way up to 135 at the peak in 18, and then back to uh, 92 in 20, and then back up to 114 billion in 21. So, trend there is that he'll again use the the stock as cash and sell it into the market to do acquisitions uh, when the market works for that. Or if the, the stock is down and they have cash, then they'll buy in the shares to give shareholder value that way, which was the part that kind of reminded me of uh, Singleton over at Teledyne. Uh, of note, the buybacks over the last two years that the XPO Logistics has exercised were between $53 and $66 a share. Um, which is another reason I think that's kind of a reasonable entry point if you wanted to get into stock. Um, okay. If you look at the uh, insider transaction data uh, for the stock going back a couple of years, um, there's been a quite a lot of insider selling, uh, which can sometimes be a bad thing. Um, the amount or the price that they're selling the stock at uh, is somewhere around $133 and up all the way to uh, the high during the last two years, which I'm seeing some in the range of low 150s. Um, and so kind of in that 130 to 150 range is when you see uh, the insider selling the stock back. And then in that 50 to $60 range is when you're seeing the company buy back the stock. So kind of an interesting way of just caging uh, what the insiders think of the stock price and when it's a good buy. Okay, going right into XPO Logistics' current plan 
to sell off assets and spin off assets. And I'm just going to read some stuff here from the investor presentation that they put out. So uh, XPO's spinoff of its tech-enabled broker transportation service to its shareholders would transform the remaining business into a pure play, less than truckload company. The company is planning a spinoff of its asset light broker transportation services to separate XPO into two publicly traded transportation powerhouses in North America. The transition is or transaction is intended to be tax-free to XPO shareholders. In addition, XPO expects to divest its European businesses and North American intermodal operation to simplify its transportation service offering. The planned spinoff would create two focused publicly traded companies at the top of their industries. The LTL business, which LTL stands for less than truckload, would become a pure play industry leader, the third largest provider of domestic and cross-border LTL shipping in North America with extensive scale and assets. And then the spinoff business would encompass XPO's best-in-class tech-enabled truck brokerage platform and complementary services for last-mile logistics, managed transportation, and global forwarding. XPO currently expects to complete the spinoff in the fourth quarter of 2022, so within the next nine months or so, subject to various conditions, including final approval of the XPO board of directors. So, uh, important to keep in mind one thing, which is they already spun off GXO. Uh, the company has done several acquisitions and now is starting to spin off and sell assets. Uh, so it does seem likely that they would follow through on their timeline because it's not a new process for them. Uh, so after reading through that, uh, big picture, what's happening is you've got this large conglomerate, which deals in all forms of transportation in North America and Europe. Um the core company that's going to remain after the sale and spinoff of assets is the uh, pure play, less than truckload leader. Um, so the idea here is it's the uh, kind of last mile and less than truckload freight uh, that they're going to specialize in, which you can think um, that's a local delivery uh, where on the truck you'd have uh, – all sorts of different items. So not just one thing like a truck, a semi truck full of cars or a semi truck full of um, one commodity, but maybe a bunch of different package goods that are going to different locations. Maybe some of them being kind of retail stuff and, and others being um, larger items that just uh, aren't big enough to fill a full truck. And then it's kind of that last mile of the transportation system as well. So it's a niche that they feel like they can succeed in. And that's kind of what they're going for. The spinoff is going to be the tech-enabled truck brokerage platform, uh, which, if I'm honest, is the more appealing one to me uh, because they have uh, 5,000 employees, which is fairly high. But beyond that, it's basically a very tech-heavy company with low capex. So instead of having trucks and truck drivers and trucking schools and uh, transportation hubs like the less-than-truckload company, the uh, broker company that's spinning off is simply going to be um, employees and tech and an app for drivers to use that is going to schedule where things go, when they get dropped off, when they get picked up to find synergies there. And then the company basically just collecting um, uh, the difference between you know the shipping fee that they get and then the one that the final 
truck driver or delivery person get. So just kind of a fee collecting business, which if we're going into a period of uh, higher inflation, which we are now, and if you think that it kind of continues that way, um, is probably the way to go uh, in terms of businesses because it's going to be very asset light. Okay. On top of that, you've got these two other companies that are going to be sold. So from my understanding, this intermodal drayage company uh, already has uh, some talks going on to sell it. Um, For those who don't know, drayage is a term that captures the shipping or the movement of cargo um, between modes of transportation. So think a ship comes into the port and from the sea land container being on the ship to that sea land container being on a truck or a railroad car, it needs cranes and it needs other heavy equipment to move uh, this stuff around. So that's drayage is that link point between two modes of uh, long haul transportation. So that's a business folks to North America that they're just going to sell. Uh, the other one that the company XPO plans to sell is this European transportation business. Um, so that one, they're just going to completely divest. Um, that is a Europe-wide transportation company. Uh, they're in the UK as well. Um, and it is publicly traded, but XPO, according to their last annual report, owns about 90%, 97% of the stock. Um, and they're looking to divest their interest in the company. Okay, so with that kind of broad overview, you've got one large company. You've got this mainline, less than truckload leader company that's going to be XPO going forward. You have the large half of it, which is the uh, spinoff of the brokerage platform. And then you've got that North American drayage and European transportation company, which are just going to be sold. Uh, okay. So if we're talking valuation, um, one of the reasons that uh, the CEO gave for breaking the company up and doing some spinoffs uh, is they think that they are getting a conglomerate discount on their stock. If you compare their stock to other folks in the industry, um, it does look like what he's saying is accurate. Um, So just to give you some numbers, and we'll use enterprise value to EBITDA. So comps for truck brokerage platforms, which would match up with a spinoff. You've got CH Robinson that trades at 14 times enterprise value to EBITDA. Expeditors International that trades at 14 times EBITDA to enterprise value. Landstar Systems, same 14 times enterprise value to EBITDA. And then JB Hunt, which is trading at 13 times that same enterprise value to EBITDA. XPO trades at 10 times enterprise value to EBITDA. So, you know, 30, 40% cheaper. Uh, for comps on the remain or the, the company that will remain uh, XPO, the less than truckload, you could look at FedEx, which trades at 11 times EBITDA. You get Old Dominion, which is uh, 17 times EBITDA. And uh, Yellow is another company, which was trading a little bit cheaper at six times EBITDA. And then another comp here, uh, SAIA, trading at 12 times EBITDA. So kind of if you average those out, um, those are also trading on average uh, a little bit higher than XPO, which is at 10 times. And you do have to keep in mind with that comp that the uh, Remain Co., uh, if we can call it that, which is the less than truckload company, uh, is the one that generates the most revenue. So it generates almost three times as much 
revenue and EBITDA as the spin-off brokerage company. Okay, so there's some basics of the spin-off and what we're looking at going forward into the next year. To get into a little bit more detail, you've got the uh, standalone tech-enabled broker transport company, the spin-off. And this is the one that I think, uh, from my perspective, would be set up to do well in an inflationary environment. That has a flexible, not this is according to the company. Again, you got a flexible non-asset model uh, with high return on invested capital designed to profit in any cycle. So basically getting at that inflation piece that you just got technology and some employees and uh, expenses are low, margins are high, and they can, they can profit in any environment. And another point that they wanted to bring up was it outperformed the industry with growth of more than 3x during 2013 and 2021 with revenue combined annual growth rate of 27% versus the industry CAGR of 9%. All right, so the... 2021 EBITDA uh, for just the broker company was 305 million. They have 5,000 employees, like I mentioned before. And then their CAGR over the last couple of years for revenue was 27%, which is pretty darn good. Um, Another thing that the company wanted to highlight about the broker was that its post-separation XPO expects the spinoff to trade at multiples at least as high as its most comparable peer due to the demonstrated ability of its tech-enabled truck broker platform to outperform the industry. If what they're saying is true, if the company traded up to its peers, uh, you'd expect a 30 to 40% uh, upside on the broker company from where it sits today. Okay, going into the Remain Co., which is that less than uh, truckload leader, there were a couple things that the CEO wanted to say about it. One thing they were talking about is growing the network density. So I think the key from reading about this industry um, is that if you want economies of scale, you have to have a really dense network so that you can effectively and inexpensively get packages out um, to people on time with these truckloads that are intermixed with different cargo going to different places. So that's something they're looking at to focus on once they're a pure play company. Uh, Another item is that they have 130 truck driver training schools kind of embedded within the uh, Remain Co. And the CEO has highlighted that a number of times in various talks where he says, hey, because we're training these drivers in-house up to our standards and knowing that they know what to expect from our company, we get a whole lot less turnover, less accidents, and just less training costs. So uh, he thinks there's some advantages to having their own training pipeline. Going into the numbers for the Remain Co., you've got 2021 adjusted EBITDA of 904 million, 2022 expected EBITDA of over 1 billion. And uh, the other big thing to take away again is it's asset heavy. So the spin out is just brokering, you know, using technology and employees uh, transportation. And taking a fee off of that. Whereas this company has over 291, the Remainco has over 291 terminals, 12,000 drivers, uh, 7,900 tractors, and 25,800 trailers. And they even have a section of the business that does uh, construction of, of some trailers. So again, very asset heavy um, for the Remainco. Okay, moving on. The uh, rationale for the spinoff, again, this is right from XPO Logistics, is kind of all the standard reasons you would expect. 
uh, greater focus for each company as a peer player, higher ROIC and improved flexibility to allocate capital, dedicated investor base. Um, each company can use their own stock as its own equity currency. Looking for an investment grade credit rating for each company. Um, looking for focused customer centric technology. And they want to attract and retain talent unique to each business. So very classic reasons to conduct the spinoff. And again, they emphasize that they expect that the aggregate of the two separate companies plus the two sold companies is going to be higher uh, than what the stock trades at today. Okay, Uh, we'll probably end up doing another episode on this because this one's going a bit long. Um, But I'd like to delve further into the European freight transportation business and the North American intermodal operation. Those are the two businesses that the company's outright selling. Um, There weren't a whole lot of details in the 2021 annual report that would indicate um, how profitable they are, how how big they are, etc. I would be curious to see if um, those companies are making money or losing money, because if the two smaller companies are losing money, that could actually be a benefit in the uh, the breakup as well, because you would take a loss off the balance sheet of the two uh, large companies that remain the pure play in the spinoff. Um, and you would monetize the company's assets that you're selling. So that could be a real plus if that's the case. But again, uh, not a lot of details provided. So I'm gonna have to dig more into that and maybe do a part two on this one. Um, but I think overall, this one looks like uh, something to follow as more details come out. Um, because they are selling, because XPO is selling the two smaller companies and you don't have a timeline on that, it might be something you'd look to move into even before the spinoff date is announced so that if there's a sale of those companies, you can get the upside of that. Another thing that'll be interesting is to see where uh, Brad Jacobs, the CEO, lands. Um, I expect he'll stay with the larger, less than truckload company, um, but he's a savvy guy. He's got a good career. Uh, track record. So uh, where he goes is probably a good indicator of which company is going to be most successful. Um, And again, that price range, we know that the company was buying in large amounts, um, tens of millions of shares of its own stock over the last two years in that kind of 55 to 65 price range. Um, So that's probably a reasonable starting point. And according to the comps that I looked up, uh, that starting point would indicate that the two separate companies are undervalued by about 40% uh, once they lose that conglomerate discount. So uh, that is kind of part one of XPO Logistics. I'm sure more details will come out and we'll get a little bit more fidelity as things play out. So thanks again for listening and uh, we'll catch you again next time.